they've not minted it since 1964. The only way junk supply comes on is when someone sells. And at this point, it's gone. It's basically gone. If you didn't buy junk yet uh, and you're offered junk, snap it up as fast as you can because the supply is, is not available. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics and quite excited because while it is Tuesday for our weekly silver report with Andy Shackman, we're also joined by another legend of the gold and silver industry, Bill Holter of BillHolter.com and going to dig through some of the amazing things that are happening out there in the world. And uh, great to Andy, great to have you back this week. And Bill, it's been a little while since I guess the last time we talked was at Silverfest, but Pleasure as always to have you back on here and how are you guys doing today? Good to be back, buddy. Good to see you again, Chris. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on and um, Andy, we'll start with you because obviously uh, something we've been keeping an eye on each week, we've had a lot of gold and silver demand ever since the banking issues resurfaced Had a couple months before that where things were calm and um, let's just pick it up there in terms of any changes this week or is it still still been pretty active over the past week. Incredibly active. Uh, premiums are rising and we're getting to that point. Similar to what we saw over the last few years where premiums seem to be rising on a daily basis or a, or, or every other day basis. <clears throat> and I mean, it's, it's obvious. In fact, I'm surprised they haven't risen more and faster than they have. The demand is is certainly outpacing the supply, but if you look at any of the online companies, their premiums have gone for the most part straight up, um, and and it is I think right now um, just the very beginning of a, of a continuing increase in premiums as as this market continues to express itself. Um, I don't see any sign of it slowing up at all. And obviously, the Silver Eagles are quite pricey right now. What's going on with them and the junk silver? The two highest premium items you can buy. Silver Eagles are approaching $17 over silver spot. That's about as high as we've saw them over the last three years, period. It's as high as I've ever seen them. Um, and all you're able to find really are the 2023s. And I don't know if you remember, I sent you an inventory list from one of the main wholesalers uh, several months ago when we were doing something similar to this. And it, it's it looks the same as it did back then. We're seeing the sold out, sold out, sold out. We'll let you know when next is available. Limited, limited. That is a precursor of, of ominous um, uh, supply signals that are being sent from across the, the globe to all the from all the major mints that are providing product to the main distributors who sell them to the industry. And that's, that's not something I typically like to see. Junk silver has exploded again in premium. You're paying north of $11 an ounce to buy it. You know, these are two things that right now are, are emblematic of where I think this entire market goes. And that is a market dominated by, by more demand than there is supply. And, and that's why they say there's no bull market like a metals bull market, because no one wants to sell back and even though we can make a profit on this high premium, both buy and sell and a rising spot price over the last several months, no one wants to do that. So if no one is selling product back into the marketplace <clears throat> and the mints are working in, in, in a less than efficient fashion, this is the trend that I expect to continue to see. But 
The two things Bill likes the most, Junk Silver and American Eagles, are by far the most expensive or highest premium items that we sell in anything that we have to offer. Well, and, and, junk, and junk is gone. Good luck finding junk. I mean, the supply is is basically gone. I I uh, called in this morning to find out if there was any junk. We had a whopping three bags. Now, there are half dollars, but the halves are not, in my estimation, they cost more, but the halves uh, are not the best coin. The best coin are dimes. The reason you want dimes because they are the smallest denomination. And in a system breakdown, uh, $1.38 contains one ounce. So call it 14 dimes. That gives you 14 transactions with a farmer or whoever uh, versus one with an eagle or a bar or a generic round or sovereign coin or what have you. Um, and the thing is, junk is the canary, and it all has been the canary in the coal mine because they've not minted it since 1964. The only way junk supply comes on is when someone sells. And at this point, it's gone. It's basically gone. If you didn't buy junk yet uh, and you're offered junk, snap it up as fast as you can because it's, it's like I said, the supply is, is not available. Yeah, and that's something that I was wondering where do, do we reach a point where going forward it just stops becoming available and doesn't come back on? Because as you as you mentioned, they're they're not making it anymore. So we're really looking at that secondhand supply. And obviously, I guess when people pass away, there's there's some that gets passed on, but probably not anywhere near to to stocking an industry level supply like we've been used to. Are are we close to that point where junk silver stops becoming something that's regularly offered? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I do, because if this if this cycle starts to accentuate itself, no one's going to sell it for sure. And it's interesting because we had some of it, you know, in January, everything softened up. You had everything we've talked about repetitively where people were traveling and, and being able to do so unencumbered for the first time in three years, not wearing a mask, seeing family, doing all the things without worrying about a pandemic everything replenished uh, premiums came down even junk silver and then like that it's gone again and i think it is one of these deals where it will just become unavailable because no one wants to sell it you can't pull it out really what's happened through all of this volatility over the last few years is i think it's transferred into strong hands and people that are holding it have no intention of selling it unless they have to and especially junk silver because the idea is to use it God forbid, in a situation where that utility, that that functionality comes into play, no one's going to sell it. So yes, I think it's getting to that point of at least temporary extinction. Yeah, and Chris, um, just go back even, I don't know, uh, four years, five years ago, you could buy junk at 75% over spot. Uh, most people viewed it, they didn't like the name junk. Right. Um, so it was not a favored item. You mean 75% of spot? No, 70 cents, 75 cents over, over spot. spot. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was cheap. It was stupid cheap. I mean, Eagles were 350 and junk was 75 cents. And I made the, the decision in my career back in probably 2016, 17, uh, to basically buy or recommend that people buy nothing but junk. I viewed it back then as the best form of silver, be, just from a barter standpoint, because that's the, that's where this goes. 
The financial system is going to go down. This is no longer Bill Holter and Andy Sheckman's opinion. This is pure math. The system is going to break. It's going to go down. And the thought process of you use silver uh, to get through the crisis and you hold gold to uh, to carry your wealth through the crisis. The My point being, the, the junk silver uh, was not favored. I mean, I've spent, what, the last six years, seven years amassing, who knows, a few hundred million uh, dollars worth of junk silver. The And it's gone. And the fact that it's gone, just think about supply and demand. I can see the day, and I don't think it's too far off, where the most expensive, the most valuable silver there is, is going to be junk silver. It will be the most coveted silver there is. It's a very interesting perspective, and he was he was doing this long before it made sense to anyone, myself included, in terms of it having this huge appeal. And so in that respect, all of his clients who are sitting on a very large stash of junk silver sitting in the catbird seat. So, you know, what used to be 75 cents has appreciated by over 10 bucks an ounce premium wise or more uh, and is, is becoming literally impossible to find. So the premium should only go higher and higher and higher. And that also means the bid premiums people decide to sell, we'd be happy to buy it and at very high premiums as well. Bill, have you had any people who are swapping them in now with the premium so high, or is that still, they're just keeping it and holding it? Swapping the junk? Yeah, um, the, the yeah, same no, way No, that, I mean, that's a flat no. My clients understand why they bought it in the first place. Um, and if they have forgotten and suggest to me, you know, let's swap for more ounces. I, I strongly advise them not to do that because when all is said and done, when you have to, when you're going to need to use it, form is going to be the most important thing. And uh, dimes and quarters are the best form, even though half dollars are more expensive. Mm -hmm. You've got two half dollars versus 10 dimes. So you've got five times as many transactions and the two half dollars halves cost a dollar or a dollar fifty more than than dimes and quarters and i think it should be reversed i think dimes and quarters should be more expensive than the half dollars i think the reason it is that way is because they minted many more dimes than right. they did half dollars and so it's just a, it's just again basic supply demand economics there's more more dimes out there than there is half dollars so the halves have a, a higher premium always have but understand chris and I mentioned this uh, just a few minutes ago, junk silver is the canary in the coal mine. When when that's gone, and we're pretty much there now, when that's gone, that tells you that there's a huge supply and demand problem in the industry. And like Andy said, with eagles, you pretty much can only get uh, 2023 eagles. And this all this all kind of started last summer with the, that big, the big trade that I did, uh, it took $27 million to clean up pretty much every bag of junk, every half dollar, uh, every silver dollar, and pretty much all the eagles available. Think about that. $27 million is not even the mayonnaise on a ham sandwich mm. compared to the overall 
uh, financial industry. So if that small amount of money could wipe out the supply, what do you think is going to happen when, when en masse, the public moves to silver, to gold? They're going to wipe the supply out. You will wake up one morning and all of a sudden, boom, there's nothing to sell. I mean, there's, there's, there's no product at all for people to buy. It, that's coming. The crazy thing about that trade as well is that the premiums at the time were about twelve and a half dollars. They're up fifty percent now from where they were then, and and spots higher. Yeah, I mean, and so it's a situation, and I still can't wrap my head around what's going on at the U.S. Mint because for three years it's been this way, where for thirty years the difference between an eagle and all the other five major mints, the kangaroo, the philharmonic, a the Britannia, at most a buck, seventy-five cents. And now it's um, 12, 12 bucks. Yeah, it, It's crazy. And it, it has shown no sign of abating. And even Janet Yellen getting on the U.S. Mint webpage thing, we've ramped up production. We're ready to go. And yet they're producing roughly 25% of what they've shown in the past they're able to do. It lends you, it lends itself to speculation. Like, what are they doing? Are they stockpiling silver? There should no be, be no reason that I can get coins from South Africa, Australia, Austria, the United Kingdom, and, uh, you know, for easily, much more easily, and for 12 bucks uh, an ounce less than the U.S. Eagle. So both coins are, are that, the junk and the, the American Eagles are, not only are they very expensive, they're becoming very difficult to obtain. Well, speaking of Janet, we'll come back to her in just a moment because she had an interesting quote that I'd like to get your opinion on. Although, <laughs> curious, let's say you did, you guys did get another order like that one that came last year. I believe it was fifty million dollars. You said you got seven million. How, how much do you think you could fill of that in terms of eagles and junk silver at this point? I could fill. I would think a good amount in American eagles. I don't know how fast I'd get them because. We did a second order for about the same amount uh, right after his, a different client. And she did buy some Silver Eagles, but we were taking allocations that were two months out where the U.S. Mint promises these distributors, yeah, there'll be a June A and a June B allocation. You're getting twice a month or, you know, and, and, and two in July. And so we were going all the way out into future allocations to get them. When we did that order for Bill, it was the first or second of July. We had it done before the July 4th holiday. That environment is gone. I, I could fill it in other items, but to fill it in junk silver and in uh, an American Eagles, it would be a, just a very small fraction of what I could do. And when you start doing an order like that and say, yeah, I can do the Eagles, but you know, right now you're not going to get them until June or July. Uh, fully filled we'll get all of you know as much as we can now and then every two weeks until then people will be like hey, i'm a little sketchy about that so that shows the fragility of this industry you know where look you know companies are going to do a billion dollars a year in this industry or more but that doesn't speak that's over the span of 12 months you try to get a big order in the door all at once you're going to run into problems and if all of a sudden you have a mass awakening by the public that all tries to run through the door at once, it's over, just like that. This is what I've been saying for a long time. 
and I've talked with you about and on your show for a long time. I've talked about a market that will ultimately define itself with no product. And Bill and I were talking last night over a beer or two at, with my wife and, and the question came up and, and his answer without talking to me about it was exactly the same is that what puts us out of business is there's no product. Right. And I see that happening because Rick Rule always said for the last 10 years, including recently, the average or the amount of, of, of metal across the entire U.S. financial matrix is one half of 1%. Maybe it's a little more than that right now, but it's average two and a half percent over the last 40 years. So if it just gets to two and a half percent, which is half of what financial advisors say you should have. And went to five in 1980. Yeah. And so now you're talking a five and a tenfold increase in an industry that can hardly handle what's coming through the door now. This is why I've always said that, because I see this moment happening. And um, I still stick to it. I believe that ultimately people from the outside will say, geez, the price got away from me. I'm not going to buy it. The people who have been listening to your show who wish they would have bought more will find the inability to source it affordably and readily. And that to me is the biggest concern I have about the about maintaining status quo with my business. And along those lines, Bill, I'm curious how you see this playing out where we've seen the reduced inventories on the LDMA and the COMEX, and now we're seeing a surge in demand in retail, obviously slightly different markets, but do you think this goes or if there is there some level of retail purchasing along with what industry is using that leads us to a point where there's there's a shortage or how does this play out is something I think a lot of people are wondering. Yeah, that's two separate markets altogether. One, when you're talking about uh, the physical metal itself, that's basically the retail market. Of course, you do have family offices uh, beginning to move in that area. But when you're talking about COMEX and LBMA, now you're talking pretty much uh, more, if you want to call it institutional type of business and understand that, you know, a very small fraction of that actually settles. And the, we've talked about this for years and years. Ultimately, there will be a failure to deliver. I mean, you can't have uh, 300 paper ounces outstanding for every one real ounce that exists because there will be a stampede at some point and everybody's going to compete for that one of the 300 contracts or 300 paper ounces are going to compete for that one ounce. And once that happens, it is completely game over, not just for silver that will bleed into gold same day. And I'm going to tell you within 48 hours, you will see a, a complete break in confidence of the treasury market and the dollar itself, because understand the suppression that we've all been uh, so frustrated by over the years, that suppression plan was put in place so that on the one hand, they're showing you gold bad, which means on the other hand, paper good. It's been used to support uh, the value of the dollar and support the ability of the U.S. Treasury to borrow. And look, where are we now? I just saw an article this morning that uh, the interest expense is now up to 800 billion per year. That's about double what it's been for the last, call it 30 years. For the last 30 years, uh, the U.S. was paying about four, between 350 and almost 500 billion per year in interest. Now, what the what happened was they kept piling debt on, but they were able to continually lower interest rates. 
to keep that 350 to 500 billion range of interest per year pretty much stable. And they did it for 30 years and it worked. The problem is we got down to 0%. They couldn't go any for any lower. The debt continued to pile up and now interest rates are going higher. And now we've broken out. We're up to 800 billion. We're, we're be over a trillion dollars in interest alone. Uh, and that's just interest. And remember, uh, the, US, the the Treasury can't open the doors, uh, what is it, October 1st, the beginning of the fiscal year, without running at least, at least a trillion dollar deficit per year. So at this point, math has caught up to the U.S. Treasury. Yeah, and uh, obviously it's a bit of a tricky position the Fed is in where they still haven't really gotten inflation down. And you have the interest expense. I'm curious, what if, if you were the one forced to make these decisions, Bill, what would you do in a in this position where there's perhaps no ideal actual action? But what if you were running the show right now? I know you you know you were hanging out with uh, Donald Trump last night in an event. So now that now that you're you're climbing the chain there, what what would you actually do at this point? Uh, I would say punt. There's nothing to do. This is math. There's no way to avoid the math. Um, it's over. There is no there is no option. Uh, we are headed into hyperinflation. Uh, we are going to lose the currency. And that's one of the things uh, at the event last night. Uh, it was a, a private event. And I was pretty amazed. Uh, Mr. Trump was was very candid and that was one of his biggest concerns is losing uh the dollar losing reserve currency status did you guys mention anything about silver to him pardon me did you mention anything about silver to him while you were there no sorry about mm -hmm. that <laughs> no but the, but it, it's math and if you think about it just over the last what uh two three four weeks the talk worldwide of de-dollarization has picked up speed immensely and, and beginning to go exponential. I mean, the latest is Brazil. Brazil is talking about no longer using the dollar for trade. This is, you know, you've got Saudi Arabia saying that they will accept uh, other currencies than dollars. You have, you have countries all over the world uh, doing, doing deals in rubles, doing deals in yuan. And every one of these deals takes a chunk of the demand away from the dollar and understand that for the last 30 years, well, more than that, uh, call it almost 50 years, 51 years, actually, uh, to go back to, or 50 years to go back to 1973 when the petrodollar was, was first uh, dreamed up by Kissinger. I mean, that's that's what saved the dollar when uh, Nixon brought us off the gold standard. And it worked. It worked really well for many, many years. But the problem is, just like any Ponzi scheme, any Ponzi scheme needs new capital on a consistent basis to keep the game going. And we're at that and we're mathematically at the end of that game. And you can see uh, by the actions of foreigners saying that you know we're not going to use the dollar we are going to use an alternate currency people are jumping ship left and right and it th think about this chris it was very interesting about two weeks ago uh the kremlin came out and said thank you 
uh, to the United States for all the sanctions because that took them off the SWIFT system. And now we don't have to worry about your banking system. Yeah, and Bill, uh, interesting you mentioned that because I said I had a note from Janet Yellen and here was a quote. Even she was talking about de-dollarization. There is a risk when we use financial sanctions that are linked to the role of the dollar that over time it could undermine the hegemony of the dollar. Obviously, she then goes on to defend the policy, but interesting to see that now even Janet Yellen is talking about that. Obviously, she doesn't seem concerned, but seems like the rest of the world has a much different view on that one. She should be concerned. That's why I, that's why I, you know, this is the topic I've been talking about for three years. And that's why I said, when they weaponized the dollar against Russia, first they said it was Putin's inflation. And Chris, if you studied Austrian economics for 30 seconds, you know, Putin had nothing to do with inflation. It's always a monetary event. It's an increase in the money supply. They pointed to him as a villain. And that's why I thought when you talk about a, a debt approaching $200 trillion, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, government, military, pensions, all the like, they know they can't pay it off. Like he said, it's game over. So instead of falling on the sword, you weaponize the dollar, you impose sanctions, and you create a villain. And that's Xi Jinping and Putin and OPEC and all of the countries that are moving away from the dollar. And that, that to me is very obvious. And when you talk about those sanctions, when Macron, who just got back from a, a, a meeting with, with Xi Jinping, who signed a 51-point treaty agreement ranging from 5G to military engagement, one of the things that he said was that it's not just the central banks that are pissed off about, about the sanctions, it's also the companies and the banks within the European Union, because one of the banks in France was fined like $4 billion a year or two ago for trading with an Iranian company. And it's the sanctions, the bullying, this hypocrisy that they view it as of the West saying who can and who can't do business with the, with the dollar that you're, you're beginning to aggravate even our allies. And right. if you talk about the Brazil deal, that deal that they're the second largest exporter of coin in the corn in the world. And that deal, the majority of it, if not all of it, which is going to be paid in yuan is on the SIPS system, the cross interbank payment system. That is the at the 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 substitute, if you will, that was designed by China for um, for the SWIFT. So they're already finding alternative payment methods, alternative currencies, and finding ways to formulate relationships outside the dollar, and and it's accelerating. Yeah, it's it certainly is, and it's kind of stunning yet. Not surprising at the same time when you see it building for so long, but still shocking when you actually see some of these things playing out and seemingly accelerating. So, um, hey, Chris, let me just mention this: uh, all of these things, all, all the things we've we've talked about, the you know, the Saudi Arabia, Brazil, just piece by piece. I'm old enough to remember back in the 1980s, even the early 90s, if even one of these events was announced you would have market convulsions like you can't imagine and it's these these uh dollar negative news events have become normalized it's like oh well it does you know doesn't matter uh, if you ask and a lot of times i do ask uh people that that don't get it my first question will be do you believe the united states is bankrupt 
And 95% of the time you'll hear, well, yeah, of course they're bankrupt, but it doesn't matter. And what I'm trying to get at is we have this uh, emotional, you know, normalization that we've been hit by so many shocking things that nothing's shocking anymore. And the reason I'm bringing this up is in my opinion, when this thing goes, it's going to be like a 48, 72 hour event and it will be all over. And the only thing that's going to be left is a, a black smoking hole of no value. We had some cool conversations last night. One of the things I said to him just to get his opinion, I said, you know, Bill, a lot of the pushback that I'll get sometimes is, yeah, well, the dollar has the most, it's the most liquid market. <laughs> it has the the, the best, uh, yeah. the bond market and it, it's liquid all across the world. And, and so what's your pushback to that? What's your answer to that? And what did you say? Um, yeah, it's the most liquid nothing in the world. That's what he said, because and, and it has, it's confidence, right? It's backed right. by confidence. And what, and that confidence seems to be waning in everything from the FBI, to the Justice Department, to the White House, to the numbers that are produced by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, to, to what's going on at the Fed and the banks. No one trusts anyone or anything anymore. And that in and of itself starts to chip away at the dollar hegemony. If everyone doesn't, if nobody trusts the dollar or the system underneath it, or the political class behind it, at some point you really start to incentivize this de-dollarization. And, and you put all these pieces together. That's why last time we were on the show, I talked about the game of Jenga. Each piece that you pull out is just another piece until the tower tips over. And you know, I, I think it's getting to be the 12th hour in terms of uh, in terms of all of these pieces starting to form together and people start to realize exactly what's happening. Yeah, it's it's certainly shocking when you see what's happening day by day and wonder how much longer this current arrangement goes for. And I think it'll be interesting, especially seeing the Fed, whether whenever their pivot comes again. Worth noting that even Jerome Powell in his uh, press conferences, he talked about end of and Andy, you and I have talked about this before, Bill, I'm guessing you've heard this, but. He, he mentioned at the end of 2024, his Fed funds projected rate 4.1%, 3.1% at the end of 2025. So it does feel like we're getting towards the end of that road with even the Fed talking about while well, they're raising rates now, they're just, they're just getting ready to cut them again, which it's almost like what, what was the point of that? And Well, you know, what's interesting about that, I did a, a live stream with Rafi and um, uh, Mario Mineco 64 yesterday, and Rafi showed a chart of inflation expectations are starting to pick up again. So on one hand, they're trying to, to pivot. On the other hand, you have inflation picking up again. So now they're at that crossroad of what do you do? You go back and try to tighten again and, and, and tighten the screws on the system, or do you just give up and let inflation go? this is one of those deals where it's, there it is. So it's becoming harder and harder and harder for the Fed to really maneuver as they're being called on the carpet, whichever way they go. Yeah. The reality, the reality is they're stuck. I mean, they're, they're, no matter what they do, something breaks. They can continue to tighten. They break the financial system. If they turn around and pivot, then we go right into hyperinflation because confidence will be gone. It does seem like quite a corner they're backed into and not really any easy answer out of there. So um, last question, going back to silver, uh, Bill, we'll toss this to you and Andy, if you want to comment as well. But 
you mentioned what is getting harder to come by. What are people asking for and what to, for people who are looking to buy silver, what are you recommending in terms of specific products that they should be looking at? Well, obviously, uh, and I've seen, and you've seen the same thing over the years, you know, people look at prices and they're like, I just want the cheapest silver, which basically you're talking about hundred ounce bars or kilo bars. And that's fine for somebody who wants to store it, uh, basically looking to, to go through this and end up with silver at the back end, but it's not usable. Uh, and I, I caution people, you know, if you want hundred ounce bars, understand that it's cheapest for a reason. And it, it, the reason being it's the least utilitarian of anything. Uh, so I do, I do try to uh, counsel people if I can't find junk uh, and they, you know, they don't want to pay the, the very high premiums of Eagles. I, I, counsel them into uh, purchasing uh, one ounce sovereigns and then next would be one ounce uh, generic rounds. You really don't want to do bars. Now I know you can test. I don't have the ability to test in a system breakdown. If somebody wants to barter with me and comes to me with a bar, I wouldn't even consider it because you, you can't know what you're actually getting in either silver or gold. Um, so just understand, you know, if if you're buying uh, bars because they're the cheapest, you are buying the worst form of ownership, and that's okay if you're storing it. You know, you're you're doing it in huge amounts and you're storing. But if you're doing that, uh, you know, if you can afford, say, a thousand or two thousand ounces, what good is a, a ten or twenty hundred ounce bars? What good are uh, one ounce bars if you know, if they can't be assayed, if they can't be proven to be real, they're going to be discounted. So if you're cheap on the way in, you're going to be, you're going to get cheap on the way out. Makes a lot of sense. Andy, anything you'd like to add on that? Yeah, you know, I guess I would be somewhere in the middle there. I think there's no question that the first thing you should ever buy when you're buying silver are, are pieces that give you the utility, especially if you're taking possession of it. And I think everyone should. It's the it, 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 the buzz phrase that I think will become more and more um, uh, disdained over the next several months or, or less will, will be counterparty risk. And the removal of counterparty risk is big. So holding it yourself, taking possession of it, you want the utility, you want the functionality, you want the one ounce coins. But, you know, I guess if, if someone wanted to spend a whole lot of money you know, you're talking six and seven figures, you reach a point where maybe it, once you got the utility cover that you move into, and, and my sweet spot for that person has been kilo bars. They're 32.15 ounces. They're the size of an iPhone. They're not too big. They're not too small. They give you the better value. But the reason I focused on those over the last three years has been that the coins have been so outrageous. And I do think we are heading to that moment again. In the past three weeks, the premiums on all the sovereigns, let's not even talk about the Eagle, but the other five, have gone up roughly almost $2 an ounce. So you're talking 10% or 15%, whatever. No, not quite that much. About 10% premium increase in two, two three weeks. And um, so it's going to get higher, harder and harder to find. Premiums will go higher and higher. Then you reach a point of having to decide, do you want to pay this big premium or do you want bigger bang for the buck? There's no right or wrong answer. What he's saying makes great sense. And I think you should have utility. You should have functionality. 
you have to decide what your motivation is more than anything. And if it's survival in a period of, in, a, in a market that goes haywire, well, yeah, you're going to want to have the one ounce coins. But if you're talking moving large, large amounts of money and you want to have greater utility or greater uh, bang for the buck, then I would stick with kilo bars because they give you that added bang without losing the utility because they're not too big. They're about the size of an iPhone. Well, that makes a lot of sense and sure appreciate everything you guys shared here today. And perhaps if people have questions or want to get uh, more information, Bill, I know you have a new website up and also you allow people to email you as well. Could you let folks know where they can find you on the web? Yeah, the web website's easy. It's just billholter.com. Uh, if you want to reach me directly, uh, my email address, my business email address is bholter at hotmail.com. Well, well he, just, he just blew up his uh, email account. <laughs> <laughs> the guy has a flip phone. He doesn't even have a smartphone. So if you email yeah, him, be patient. Yeah, but there's a reason for that. There is a reason for that. And it was, it was, it's been an interesting uh, few days of travel uh, without a smartphone. I use a flip phone because I ride a horse every day. I take my dogs five miles a day with my horse. And if I had a smartphone, I would break a dozen a year. They do not fit in your pocket. And I can put a flip phone in my pocket and works fine. And you drop them and you could drop them a dozen times and they won't break. You think I'm old school. You think I'm <laughs> old school, Chris. <laughs> well, I, I, I think the idea of it sounds nice, not being glued to a smartphone all day. So, Bill And that's the other thing, Chris. Day. That is the other thing. I mean, I watch people walk down the street and run into telephone poles because they're looking at their, I'm not talking about in a car. I'm talking about actually walking down the street and they hit their head on a, on a street sign or a telephone pole because they got their head looking down at the phone. I'm sorry. You know, the world has changed. Maybe I haven't changed with it, but I just don't want to be locked in, into uh, the internet. I mean, obviously you have to use the internet and I use it when I want to or, or when I need to. Um, but like I said, it's just, uh, I, I crack up when I, <laughs> when I see people driving in cars with a mask on by themselves or run into like street signs because they're looking at their phone. <laughs> well, I hear you more, more silver, less smartphones, uh, certainly a good way to go. And Andy, uh, and people have questions for you would like to reach you or purchase or sell if I don't know if you have many people selling silver and gold right now, but can you let them know the best way to do that? Any questions that anyone has on this show, send an email to Arcadia at Miles Franklin. We'll get them answered right away. We'll send you an updated price list and uh, happy to answer any questions as they come. Well, Bill and Andy, I sure appreciate both of you making some time. Great to see you on here again. And um, especially in the midst of everything that's going on, I know, People are concerned about some of the things that they're seeing out there. So good to hear from you both. And thanks for speaking up about these things while before they happened. And we'll look forward to catching up with you both again soon. Look forward to it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Well, thank you to both Andy and Bill. It was great to have them both on there together. And hopefully you found that helpful, especially getting to hear from Bill in terms of what he's been seeing with the junk silver side and some of the things that are getting harder to find, what he's still recommending. and certainly with everything that is building in the economy. It hopefully was helpful at home to hear a bit more about some of the different products as well as some of the things he is seeing out there. Appreciate both of them joining us. And before we wrap up, did want to thank First Majestic Silver 
who brought us tonight's episode. Just a reminder that a few weeks ago, First Majestic did release their 2022 Mineral Reserve and Mineral Resource Estimate. Quick highlights that came out were that the proven and probable mineral reserves came in at 136.8 million silver equivalent ounces. It was 61.5 million ounces of silver, 781,000 ounces of gold, measured and indicated, total 351.5 million silver equivalent ounces, 101.7 million ounces of silver, 2.82 million ounces of gold, and the inferred mineral resources came in at 280.8 million silver equivalent ounces, 73.6 million ounces of silver, and 2.36 million ounces of gold. Link to the press release, so you can take a look through the full thing to see the additional details is in the description field below. And thanks again to First Majestic Silver for continuing on through not the easiest silver environment, although fortunately we have the price a little bit higher. First Majestic has also recovered quite a bit since that sell-off following the shutdown of Jarrett Canyon. So find out more about them at firstmajestic.com. That said, going to wrap up for today, but hope you enjoyed this one. And I will see you again tomorrow.